If you ask me what I think about tonight's film, I tell you, it's great! That's the best Tony the Tiger you get. <laughs> Tonight we're talking about wild tigers I have known on the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. But because you need friends to be cool, I'm joined by three of my favorite friends to learn what they have on their coolest. First up, Cat. She's a kitty cat. She's Amelia. Hi there, my name is Amelia, yeah. And my favorite way to be cool, yeah, is to learn to speak European. <laughs> and I can be found on the Instagram at the Nefarious Navigator. Next up, the J stands for Jaguar. It's JC. Hi, it's JC. And the coolest thing on the list was Psych Rock, but it must include the question mark. <laughs> um, personally, on my coolest, I would have a purple t-shirt. I think that those two can go together. Maybe you can throw a question mark on that, too. I want a purple t-shirt <laughs> with a question mark on it, like, personally. Someone make that for me. Um, you can throw a question mark on me, honestly. I wouldn't <laughs> complain. <laughs> Last but never least, they knew their sexuality after reading The Jungle Book. It's Ro. Hey, everybody. I'm Ro, and the only real way to be cool is to go to art school <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> start smoking cigarettes ironically and then start smoking cigarettes unironically and then quit smoking cigarettes unironically that's the only way <laughs> uh, and do cigarettes count <laughs> absolutely they count and i am proud to announce that you can now find me on twitch.tv slash sesqueenrow. Ooh, moving up in the world. Next, you'll I be am. on Ustream. <laughs> Catch me on Christian Mingle. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part where I have to tell you that tonight's episode, or to, that this episode's movie deals with some difficult topics, primarily adolescent sexuality, which means if topics surrounding that can cause you to stress, please come back next week for an episode about high school musicals, which shouldn't have any content warnings at all, Ro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? You're making us watch some really weird movies. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we have to have a content warning for We're the World Mind, I, I, I don't know what life is anymore. Um, I don't think... Is there anything particularly... Nah. Warning, Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> and this is the part where I have to tell you that if you haven't seen this movie, at least I suggest that you do it because we're about to spoil the whole plot and talk about it. And unlike Phoenix, you might want to see this one. So in essence, this is a film about Logan, who is introduced as a 13-year-old boy in a small town growing up in high school, but is in the process of discovering their own sexual identity. This film is very lonely and becomes even more so when Logan is isolated after being perceived as gay, finding a fascination in older student Rodeo, and they pretend to be a mysterious woman a mysterious woman named Leah over the phone in order to set up an actual date with Rodeo, and uh, after Rodeo realizes it's Logan, he runs away. This leaves Logan more and more confused about their own identity, which leads to further isolation, a face-to-face -face with the mountain lion, and an ending that is up to your own interpretation, debatably. Um, and that's basically the movie. 
Um, I, I and so I want to get out of the way and address the biggest controversy of this movie before you know we discuss it. Uh, mountain lions are not tigers. Um, in fact, they are more closely related to the domesticated cat rather than the traditional lion and tigers, according to the Google search I just did. So there you go. Glad we got that out of the way. I was going to say... <laughs> we don't um, have to discuss of, it anymore. Actually, one of actually the first thoughts I had when I watched this movie <laughs> was the fact... Okay, the first thing I thought is that they made a way too young actor uh, simulate masturbation, and that was slightly creepy to watch. Um, and then after the title card, you see... Wild tigers I have known, and then a long speech about a mountain lion, and I'm like, those are not the same. I don't <laughs> lions even... are not tigers. Mountain lions are hardly even lions. They're more like domesticated cats. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and, Glad we got this the biggest controversy out of the way. <laughs> the biggest one. <laughs> The only and biggest. <laughs> Y'all remember how I joked during Phoenix that I thought this that film was going to turn into a horror movie out of nowhere? Uh, this film turned into a horror movie kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> it starts off like a coming-of-age drama and jumps into psychological thriller by the end of the first act. So how about that for foreshadowing, huh? Yeah. Pla- totally planned it. Mm. This, uh, this movie is a trip and a half. I tell you what. If you don't like avant-garde style filmmaking, maybe skip this movie. Um, especially if you get your hands on the first cut of this movie that's uh, supposedly told in a non-linear fashion. Um, there's still a few non-linear parts to this cut. I think the only one that I remember off the top of my head was the roller skating scene um after like the reveal with rodeo happens that doesn't really make sense why he'd be skating around logan um but yeah this is our i guess unless you count beverly kills our first surrealist film it's a bit impressionistic i would say um but i think that a lot of his influences he definitely, I think I saw a review floating around online, he definitely wears on his sleeve, sometimes in a pretty heavy-handed manner, which isn't super unusual for a young filmmaker. Um, yeah. there, it's a bit self, self-involved in that way, but at the same time, it does kind of place it in an interesting lineage of, of his influences. Who, I mean, some of which I feel like were even involved isn't this film produced by Gus Van Sant mm-hmm. um has touches of a lot of things um Kenneth Anger so with some of the color and styling there's people who are completely against it and find it really heavy-handed and obvious and pretentious and others who find it really sincere um and I with some of the choices that were made that were more on the abstract and I, I lie somewhere in the middle. I think sometimes it works and sometimes it does not um, to give a brief example would be the shot where Logan is standing on in the middle of a pool and it looks as though he is floating above water 
and uh, but he's actually standing on some type of platform and at the end dives in and so it's this moment where i i was kind of tricked and i thought it was very effective um into seeing i thought what what was a very stylized not realistic um kind of metaphorical visual representation of his isolation but no it was actually a very realistic <laughs> scene where he was just standing on this thing i kind of wish the movie played a little bit more in reality at times and sometimes i play i wish it played a little bit more in in that kind of surreal um and impressionistic space yeah i agree um with the fact that I think for me, like I was kind of in the middle. I definitely felt like at times it was very heavy handed at times, like, you know, not as much. And it was very earnest Um, with that pool scene in particular. That was one scene that stuck out to me as well, because I feel like throughout this movie, I don't know if y'all were familiar with um, Sergei Parashinov, but there were certain like shots and scenes in this movie that really reminded me specifically of the color of pomegranates. Um, and I think a lot of that movie too, also like in that story plays on the main character's isolation throughout his life. Um, and there are specific scenes that that one pool scene made me think, think of where it kind of looks like almost a 2d painting, but there's stuff going on in the foreground that makes it really clear that like, it's actually like, a movie right and there's like a moving picture going on in a moving story right um, and i thought those scenes were very very well done but then there were some scenes where i was just like this is trying a little bit too hard and i'm kind of getting lost like you know um i think for me some of those were like the the wide like these super long wide shots where there's a conversation going on while they're just kind of walking around and kind of like this banal beach setting not doing too much i don't know right there's a lot of dialogue actually in this movie that's overdubbed um like most most of the dialogue between rodeo and um what's what's the younger boy's name logan Logan. Most of the dialogue between Rodeo and Logan when they're hanging out is overdubbed and all you really see is like wide shots of them talking or like walking together or, you know, trees and leaves and like yeah. a lot of nature shots and like ambiance setting. Um I really think I would have liked this movie a lot better. This movie, by the way, made me feel things. Um, not all necessarily good. Uh, um, I think I would have liked this movie a lot better if they went really into the surrealist angle and just, like, balls to the wall stranged it all the way through. Because um, I could tell they were really, really going for something. Yeah. And it's a, it's the kind of really loose story that seems like it would really benefit from that sort of storytelling that's not necessarily rooted in reality because there's not really much to the story. Like if you're going to tell this story in a purely realist way, you'd have like a you'd have like a 15 minute long short film. See for for me like cuz the way that 
I interpret the film is that it's kind of like balancing out Logan's fantasies. So, which are these like surrealist shots of like uh, everyone dead at the party in the gymnasium, um, their alter ego of Leah when they're on the phone having phone sex. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, you know, all these kind of things, and th- these these sort of like stri- these very. Uh, um, these very kind of uh, fantasies uh, that are obviously in his in in their mind um, are kind of the things that stand out and make me remember this movie. Mm-hmm. And everything else, by comparison, is kind of dull and expected. You know, this movie actually, now that I'm thinking about it and during this conversation, it kind of reminds me of the virgin suicides. Mm. Like, so I made this comment in the, uh, in the chat or whatever when I was watching it, but like this movie does do a really good job at showing like the banality of life when you're a preteen and like just kind of going through the day to day and like getting lost in like these daydreamy fantasies and like in some some ways and in a lot of parts of the movie like i could literally feel like this existential dread and monotony that comes along with being 13 in like a suburb somewhere you know um yeah and in that sense i I feel like both movies like they kind of remind me of each other in that sense because the virgin suicides does that too where it like is really focused on like the banality of like their day-to-day life kind of where they're just like laying around or, you know, like daydreaming and fantasizing and stuff about boys. Um, right. I think yeah. that's a really go ahead. Oh no. It's like, I think that's such a great, I, I just was like, one of the things that that was interesting about it was it's very much a film of its era. Like there were certain things that I would, mm-hmm. you know, maybe would be critical of it today than when I first saw it. And I was like, oh, this is so such, it was the style of the time though, <laughs> like Virgin Suicide. And one, one thing that I will also say to its benefit, um, and I don't know how intentional or, or it was, and I'm curious how the director even feels about his own work because he was at such a different place in his life. It, it does mm-hmm. feel very much like the work of a, of a very young filmmaker um, is that some of the more heavy handed visual metaphors that um, are kind of forced, you know, him writing on his body and things like that. They are very teenage and mm-hmm. adolescent um, in in their expression and, and naivety sometimes um, and their directness and obviousness that I was like, well, you know, I think he can get away with it because if the subject matter were anything else, um, all of this might come off as very silly um, but I think he gets away with it more in this movie because these are kids and because everything is so on the surface when you're that age. Oh yeah. And I feel like that was actually like the writing on the body were parts that I totally identified with because as a 13 year old, I absolutely wrote stuff like I'm broken on myself and like gel pen. And I like <laughs> totally. got rejected by a boy. I liked, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? 
If I had to describe the feel of this movie in one word, I would absolutely describe it as hormonal. (laughs) (laughs) There is one scene that I absolutely, I think is debatably the worst scene in the film um, just overall. And I think they could have done it way better. It's the, uh, uh, a lion is loose on campus. Um, just just because the voice over that they use for it is just so bad. It doesn't sound like it's coming over a PA. It, it sounds right. like someone was obviously in a sound booth <laughs> saying it. And they don't even sound real like concerned about like the kids or anything. It's just like, there's a lion on campus. Get to a safe place. There's a use, line it's just there. a wide shot of all these kids just running in scattered directions. <laughs> I, I like this, how like, they calm use voice. I like how they <laughs> use the extras too. Like there's this my favorite shot uh is like a dolly shot and they have Logan like just standing on the dolly and it just like moves uh forward as like all the classmates and stuff like walk by. Oh, the I, Spike Lee I, shot. Yeah, I really love. Oh that one. yeah, I love that shot. Yeah, I I recognized it immediately yeah. as a thing that had been done a bajillion times before, but like, it was it was very effective. Yeah, it was. Spike Lee loves using that. I feel like in every single Spike Lee movie, there's at least one scene with that kind of a shot. <laughs> especially especially when you consider where in the movie it came. Yeah, and the emotional tone. Of 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 the movie, like as it was happening, it it was very like a like I'm pretty sure when I was in high school I made a music video with that exact same shot. Like <laughs> this is a very lonely and isolating movie when it comes to like the theming of mm-hmm. it. It it's is basically it really is. It's basically just it's... about one kid trying to find out who they are, um, and just finding no solace in anyone even their best friend that was one of the things about the movie that really stuck with me over the years um i saw this when i was on my view around 16 or 17 and i had only recently like delved into the world of of gay movies and i don't know how i came across this i think it was on a whim i think it was somehow available to rent um Somehow I saw it on DVD and I remember thinking, wow, this is the first gay movie I can actually relate to. I was like, this, this was my childhood. The, um, both the feeling were some, some, some were sentences I felt like I'd uttered where, you know, Logan is talking about how, what am I going to tell my, my grandchildren or children about my life? Cause I don't have any, any stories growing up like this the sort of lack of what would have been a normal experience growing up sort of um denied to him because of his otherness and just that extreme isolation this does feel like this movie feels like a a long isolated summer that'll never end um and i wonder by the way i if i might interrupt i wonder if you feel the same way about it now that you're watching it so many years later <laughs> yeah, a, that was through, that through was a more critical eye. Yeah, I was more critical of some of the filmic choices of it than the story. I, I still feel like the story um had 
like, you know, being, you know, kind of discovering your sexuality through an obsessive, um, obsessive on an unhealthy level, maybe infatuation with someone who probably like would kill you if they had the chance (laughs) and and not knowing how to navigate that or anything, I think is something like is an experience that, you know, maybe not all gay people have had, but I think that it's something that obviously resonated enough for this movie to get to where it, where it got to. And it's an interesting, because the movie is like how we've all been discussing is more of a feeling than a narrative. Um, but that feeling being expressed and being very relatable is, is really fascinating. And I wonder if it's something that could be conveyed more narratively. Um, but not to digress too much, but I do want to say one of the things I thought was interesting, I don't know how I feel about it or not, is the movie kind of begins on that more surrealist note. Things are, are um, a little bit more abstract and then when the budding sort of friendship slash, you know, relationship between Logan and Rodeo starts to emerge, it goes into a little bit more narrative territory with, even though the styling and everything gets a little bit more surreal, but all of a sudden I feel like there's like a story to grasp on. And, but it's a very uncomfortable very taut one where you're very kind of uneasy about where it's going to turn out. Um, I thought that was an interesting evolution of the movie that um, I'm very curious if the other cuts had that sort of feeling where it goes from something really abstract to something almost tangible. That's actually a great segue to the next part of this discussion. Welcome to the difficult discussion part. Because this movie is kind of fucked up because a big part of the movie is about a child trying to do an older straight kid into fucking them. And the language is very explicit, even though, spoilers, nothing happens between them. If, thank God. Um, like The very first scene of the movie is Logan, this 13 year old masturbating to a wrestling match under the covers. And the first time I saw it, and I saw this movie because JC suggested it to me while I was doing like the, let's watch a lot of gay movies kind of thing. Oh, did I um, recommend this one? Yes. <laughs> this <is your> <laughs> <film>. <laughs> I uh, remember that. That's great. So, um, it's only fitting that you should be here now <laughs> to sit through this with us. I don't remember this. So I mean, I would recommend it if someone's going over. I'm like, oh, here's a weird one. Don't forget this one. Anyway, continue, Nate. <laughs> so it was the most disturbing thing I had seen to that point in the let's watch a lot of gay movies experience. It wasn't the most messed up thing i saw before it and we'll get to that in season two um but uh it this movie is very uncomfortable to watch and i think that's the way it should be um yeah yeah there's no good way to talk about puberty without in without getting sort of explicit with it and especially 
when your actors are actually the ages of the characters that they're portraying, like, there's there's no good way to tackle it except for straight on. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that's something this movie really does kind of unapologetically. It's but like... <laughs> I am a fan of the way that they handled it. Wherein, like... It, <sighs> I think in a lot of the the films that exist and also that we've seen, sometimes like kind of manipulative, shady behavior gets excused away, right? Um, or it's it's seem it's made to seem not as bad as it is, right? But <laughs> like, running with scissors, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, but I feel like in this film it was tackled very well because like there was a deep discomfort in every single scene that involved like those two in a sexual sense, like the, the background noise, like the ambient noise, the way that they were shooting, like both of them, like just all of it, just like, Oh my God, the constant a, breathing yeah, on into a, my <laughs> headphone ears on my, on a, I am offended. Level. I am offended on a deep, like molecular yeah. level. I am yeah. offended by the amount of breathing I had to listen to yeah. in this movie. For those yeah. of you who are so not going to see this movie, we, I want to clarify. Uh, so what we're talking about are um, Logan under the guise of Leah has phone sex uh, with Rodeo and during these scenes lights are flickering uh, Logan slash Leah don't actually move their mouth and a female voice is actually saying all the lines um, which creates this wonderful disconnect that is straight out of like a horror movie like Jacob's Ladder or a David yeah. Lynch film. Okay, I oh, straight totally. up thought that Logan was on the other line just listening in. Like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I loved, um, I loved some of those stylistic choices because it was so interesting that oh, they I were so, it. um, and they were they were very uncomfortable. But like as the story gets more tangible, some of the, the way they were depicting it gets more abstract. And I think that really works. They have an adult woman voicing Logan in this mm-hmm. scene. I think that helps them get away with a lot of things. But also, it puts things in an abstract sense, so maybe it's easier to understand coming from the perspective of the age of these characters and well, and actual actors, because they were actually kids, but, um, and which made the reveal so interesting. Cause I was always kind of like, Oh, well, I mean, this is interesting, but I mean, this, this guy Rodeo is obviously aware of what's going on. And this is Logan's way of accessing these emotions and approaching this is to take on this other character, but they're both playing along to make the deed um, kind of acceptable to themselves psychologically. But then you find out it's not the case. Um, and, and Logan is, is left devastated um, and vulnerable in a cave. But two quick things with that. Um, the first thing is that I believe Leah's voice like would be the way that Logan hears themselves while yeah. they're portraying this character. Yeah. And second, the most 
confusing and heartbreaking line in this movie is when Logan goes to Rodeo. You didn't know it was me. Um, and, and then Rodeo basically going like, no, like, so we'll get into that later. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning. Um, both characters completely clothed, hardly doing anything. Well, Rodeo was remotely shirtless. resembling sex. R- well, r- okay, Rodeo was shirtless, but his hands were above his head the entire time. So, like, aside from the dialogue, I, I hardly think you can catalog what was happening as actual phone sex. Although the dialogue was very explicit. Yeah, it was almost explicit like a 13-year-old who doesn't know. Right. (laughs) And I'm not trying, believe me, I'm not trying to make excuses for anything. Like, this movie is weird. (laughs) And kind of fucked up, and it it makes you feel things. (laughs) It's weird, it's uncomfortable, it's... Interesting. Arguably, it's supposed to be like both of those things weird and uncomfortable. I don't think, or I don't know if that kind of impact would have been made on the viewer. That, um, I don't know if it would have touched people in the way that it did if the actors weren't actually the age that they're supposed to be. I think that's part, you know, that's part of it. And the eroticism in it, like, you know, I agree with her. It has to be tackled sort of straight on if you're going to go there um, uh, for it to come across. It is also very awkward, which is very, I think, true um, to that time of life. There's, there's a lot of very awkward, um, silly things that are, are said and desired and conveyed, which... I thought it was a nice touch. Oh, when they're talking about like uh, see see who comes first, and it's like like a oh, race. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and it's just like. Um, I also one of the things that um, when people you know some of the criticisms about the movie being pretentious, um, the only things that I found were kind of pretentious was how much indie cred this movie has. It's like dripping with indie cred, like with Feruza Balk and Kim Dickens and um, birth in the Sundance Fine. Screenwriting Club. Yeah. Oh yeah, Feruza Balk from The Craft is in this movie. Yeah, she's <laughs> pretty great. She plays. She plays a mom. She's she's wonderful. Actually, I find it like really jarring every time she comes onto screen. Because, like, it's almost like this snap back to really, like, super realistic filmmaking. Whereas, yeah. like, everything before and after she comes onto screen is just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> when she's screaming at him for dropping the groceries, it's just like... Oh my god. It feels like it's from a different movie, but it's also like... Oh god, this poor kid. <laughs> and then they're like the next scene they're like best friends in the backyard. Like, yeah, it's, that's in. a very toxic um relationship. Are you gonna family. haunt me after I die, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to haunt you after I die? <laughs> no. <laughs> they're just so casual about the conversation, you know. But like, I what know tomorrow. <laughs> like tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> 
Uh, one of my favorite scenes actually has Faruka in it. Uh, it. It's the one where she's removing the makeup on um, Logan's oh, face. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, and she, the way she's looking at him is, is just so kind and loving and accepting. And I don't think that Logan really got that uh, in their yeah. lifetime. Um, I I will say, as a person who really came into their sexuality when they were out in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by literally nobody like them, that aspect of this movie really, really resonated with me. And especially with, like, the, like, that idea where you kind of, like, confide in the people you can and you you like make do with what you got basically and sometimes it's you know less than ideal relationships with with people you know but it you, you get into that state where it's like there's there's really like there's nobody else <laughs> so you know, that kind of, that aspect of, like, really having to come to terms with yourself, like, and have nobody around you to help you with it really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I think that movie conveys that so well that it's, I mean, without a question, I would say, but I could be wrong, was clearly the filmmaker's own experience because it's just so poignant with some of those um, details there. Um I would imagine this was the filmmaker's own own experience growing up. Yeah, it felt that way for sure to me. I think if I had one major criticism for this movie, it has some tone issues for something that's dealing with something so sensitive and that could easily go wrong, especially for a filmmaker's first feature. Um even with like Gus Van Sant and the Sundance Screenwriting Lab like behind them. Um This has some funny parts that um <laughs> kinda take away from uh, from it. <laughs> um uh there's the coolest. There's like a sign uh before he goes to the part before they go to the party that says we got party um, <laughs> you, you know, there's entirely. It's pretty funny. <laughs> there's that that scene where they're geared up in their sports gear, posing for a picture, just standing in front of the camera. And there's then right the... before the scene changes, he says, "Did it take the picture yet?" <laughs> <laughs> there's the the best friend's room that's just like outer space oh yeah i love that room i would have loved that room when i was 13 years old oh my god 13 that... years old with an outer space room i'm living actually i want that room now <laughs> seriously though <laughs> that room reminded me of um another like indie underground filmmakers movie john ritsugu in the 90s had a movie called Terminal USA and he plays his there's two brothers and he plays both characters and one is like this out of control punk junkie and the other is like this super nerdy like good 
like goody two shoes and his room is like they always play like kind of weird outer space music and it's just like full of weird lighting and like <laughs> ridiculous things that <laughs> and then when I saw this kid's room I was just like oh my god <laughs> there there it is but um, that kid is so annoying but he's like such a good actor because I was so kind of annoyed by him um, and thoroughly convinced he was so realistic somehow. Um, and then by the end, he just kind of, he's like so horrifically uncool that he's cool. Um, I, really, I really appreciated that character. Um, that's the thing about the coolest. Sometimes you go so, so far away from cool that you like circle back around and like get cool <laughs> from the other side. I think Logan is a little too cool. Like, (laughs) you know, like watching Nina Simone (laughs) and like his fashion choices. Yes. I'm like, actually, that shot of him just lying in his room with all the diva clothes on right after the title card. Yeah. Was like probably the most like captivating and interesting way to open this movie. Yeah. 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 He also masturbates with sunglasses on, and I think that's that's a choice. <laughs> that's a choice. <laughs> I respect that actually. I respect that choice. Yeah. You know what? He's gonna wear sunglasses when he has sex when he's older, and I can get behind that choice. <laughs> so I have I have a question for um I have a question for Ro and Amelia. Mm-hmm. Uh, because both of you posted it in the chat while you were watching it, so I am curious. Uh, was was the uh, sorry was the rest of the movie <laughs> as slow as the beginning? So I- yes, <laughs> it was a pretty slow movie all around, but. You know, I think after I got my initial, like, just knee-jerk reaction to want to make fun of literally anything I have ever watched in my life, and I sat with it for a second, I came to appreciate the slow pace of the movie. Um, So I I had made a joke in the chat where I had said that I watched a Turin horse, like, three times all the way through, and even this was, like, slower than that and more tedious. But, like, then I thought about that, and I was like, but that was kind of the point of a Turin horse which if y'all aren't familiar is literally about the movie is about the horse that broke Nietzsche like Nietzsche saw this horse getting beat by his owner it broke him he died this movie literally just follows the horse for like three hours (laughs) and it's like a super (laughs) existential like banal movie about like just how tedious and like everyday life is basically that's what this movie felt like and i think it did a really good job of just like illustrating like the the isolation and the boredom of being a queer preteen that's coming of age you know um so yeah i it was a very long movie i will stand by that statement (laughs) i believe the message i sent was is the rest of this movie like the first 10 minutes because I feel like I've been watching this for a lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to spoil anything. Or... And, I mean, kind of, yeah, it is. 
but also like Amelia, like like the beginning of the movie has a lot of shock value, especially if you don't know what you're getting into, because stylistically it's just so different from any other movie that we've watched and or recommended on this podcast. But once you see, like, how it begins, you kind of get the feel of how it's going to proceed. And the rest of the movie, like, like the story has some shock value moments, but in terms of, like, the colors and the pacing and the cinematography, like, you kind of get a handle of it after a while, and it stops being so shocking. And in at... In my experience, once that kind of shock of the new wears off, it felt like it started to speed up a bit. If it really did, I couldn't tell you because this movie is a minute uh, or an hour thirty minutes long, and like fuck all happens <laughs> except except like some childhood trauma. <laughs> I might be spoiled to like this to like slow burns and stuff like that because like in college i had to watch like about four hours of andy warhol's empire which is a static shot of the empire state building and i had to write a paper on it um and during one part i went up to go to the bathroom and i got a text from my friend saying that i'd missed it a bird flew by the building and he was pretty sure that was going to be on the test Um, (laughs) you know going back to that alternate cut i felt like the pacing was a little uneven um i think what ro was saying is is pretty spot on in the beginning you are kind of jarred with its its universe and once you sink into the universe um things flow but there's a few things that pull you out of it. Um, yeah. One of those things that there seems to be an unevenness. I wonder if that's because of the re-edit. The other goes back to what we were talking about um, with some of the, the the humorous elements that kind of <laughs> are, there's certain things that are almost very self-aware and, and self-referential. And um, I don't know how I feel about them all. I mean, there's, there's times where I really feel like I'm, I'm watching not a story, but a movie about a story. I don't know if that makes sense. And so, yeah, but one thing I just really quickly that I thought would be is the humorous moments like did make me actually laugh out loud. What if like Cam Archer had taken the angle of making this like completely a comedy? (laughs) I I think this would really work as a surrealist musical. Like, yes, um, I like that. I absolutely hate uh, Across the Universe, but if this was like a musical like that, where like the <laughs> more fantastical elements turn into musical numbers because of like the energy, especially like the fantasy or for or like Dance from the Dark, kind of how they approach the musical, I think this would make a really interesting story and really boost up the fantasy elements uh, more so than we got in this. Well, he's a music video director, isn't he? he he's done music videos before. Um, none that I've seen. <laughs> I know he did one for Joan Jett, though. And I'm kind of curious to look that up. Very interesting. So, it's time for you to um, pull your thoughts together and decide uh, your final thoughts. Um, 
Amelia, <sighs> did this movie make you you proudly face down a mountain lion or feel like a domesticated cat? I, I'm actually going to go with uh, proudly face down a mountain lion, you know? Um, like I said, my initial knee-jerk reaction is usually to make fun of everything, but like, this is actually, I think, after sitting with it for a second, I like this movie. Um, and it inspired me to restart my Criterion channel uh, subscription. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's that. <laughs> JC, did this movie remind you of a of the good parts of high school or the bad parts of high school? I think that those two things are kind of one and the same, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think this movie brought back a lot of um, unwelcome yet welcome memories growing up (laughs) i think that overall this film um despite its flaws has so many strong talking points in theme and approach and um presentation and even performances from the actors um that despite this movie's flaws and in some cases the flaws actually add to the experience this movie is a a, remem- a memorable movie that uh, stands out from a lot of other coming of age type of of queer films. So I I do appreciate the effort that was given. And Ro, my beloved friend, did this movie make <laughs> you feel free enough to venture out into the wild, or make you just want to stay home? Mm, let me put it this way. If slow shots of shirtless 13-year-old boys aren't really your thing, maybe give this movie a miss. If they are your thing, you. Um, if you are really into avant-garde filmmaking and you don't mind a bit of shock value and you really want to, like, deep dive into something that will make you feel things, absolutely give this movie a watch. Anyway, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gayacapod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions. We can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nito Kitch, reminding you that some films are going to be strange and not for everyone. We'll talk about them anyway. Later. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Ha 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 ha!